I need to have some energy for the intro because I've, I've clocked. My energy grows in the episodes. Like I, I do a soft intro. Yeah. I need like, a coffee or something. Uh, okay. Oh, energy, energy. Hello, everybody. Welcome <laughs> to the... <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> Hello everybody, welcome to the And Again podcast. I am your host Omer, a football writer and analyst and I'm joined today by my co-host as always, H, a football content creator that focuses on the tactical parts of the beautiful game. There's a lot to talk to this week and obviously we had a little week off last week. We were busy but there's many things to discuss um, with the World Cup looming large and not only that but the Premier League fixtures... um, the final Premier League fixtures before the World Cup begins and as well uh, Cristiano Ronaldo's interview with Piers Morgan and uh, the sort of debates that's thrown up <laughs> recently um, so so we'll mention all of those things we'll sort of talk about who we think um, our World Cup favourites are who we think you should be watching out for through the World Cup and there obviously are going to be a lot of surprises there's never sort of the favourites or, or the main teams or the main scorers that perform, you'll always get some unique names, um, you know, stumping their authority on the international game. Uh, so we'll mention all of those things. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the fixtures, Man United versus Fulham, for example, City, uh, City's loss uh, against Brentford, and then um, Cristiano Ronaldo and, and where we stand on that debate, um, which I'm sure we'll probably speak about again next week when, when the full interview comes out. Uh, so yeah as we begin H how have you been fella um you did message me that you were at the Salford game and and you saw podcast favorite Carl Hudlin actually um oh, I do yeah. want to ask you yeah. I do want to ask you about about that. um was it Salford versus Wimbledon yeah he didn't he didn't come on to me if the the top scorer was was suspended and he was on the bench and I was like oh, when please. I was when I was on the camera on the side he was like training next. He was like, "We're doing his warm up next to me." He's so big, man. Honestly, he's so big. Yeah, that photo that you sent me, he's genuinely like towering over <laughs> all of these, these other players. And obviously, like yeah. in, in videos and stuff, he looks massive. But like in person, it must have been just like he was this giant. Like, ah, I, I, I wish I really I want to go <laughs> sort of see a, a player in that that profile in person. I wanted I wanted him to go up against because Salford have like a similar player. It's like Marcus Stackers. I yeah, like, I wanted them to go up against each other. It'd have been like King Kong versus Godzilla. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like it would have been like, like yeah, like something out of a sci-fi film. Yeah, no, oh, that would have been incredible, so bad. man. The thing is, I anyway, actually tried to find, I actually tried to find a stream in in the hopes that he would play. Um, <laughs> what a complete yeah. myth! Like, I got, uh, yeah, I don't know what sort of like optimism I had uh, trying to even search for going into it. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, absolutely no chance. Um, but but we'll actually talk about some of the games that that we saw um, and that <coughs> I actually did get to watch. Um, we'll we'll begin by speaking about I th- I think Manchester United's game just because um, it, it'll bring us nicely onto Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, following on from that, but um, obviously for for those of you who aren't aware, Manchester United beat Fulham, um, but it was a goal by Garnacho basically the last kick of the game that managed to to steal the three points. And I think Fulham were actually really impressive in that game um, and did perform yeah. well. And I think probably a hard done by not getting anything from that game. Um, 
But age, you were telling me just before that that you um, sort of researched and, and made a video about that game. Um, give us some of your insights because, um, yeah, just as a United fan, I'd like to hear sort of your angle and, and your take of the game. Yeah, well, I thought I thought it was an interesting game. Um, I thought it was more from, like, more to watch United and be like, right, it's evident that they still need to work on these sorts of things. And when I was obviously... Fulham made Manchester United's night hard uh, because they knew exactly what they weren't going to be good at. Um, yeah. I think on multiple occasions we've seen Marco Marco Silva this this season especially as as that four four two out of possession uh, is really nice. Like it's it's actually one of the one of the best like mid block pressing structures in the league. I think like it's so tenacious. I think Andreas Pereira obviously wanted to prove a point. He was running around like a psychopath. Um, yeah, he he shushed us when, just, when he played City the other week. He scored and shushed yeah. us. <laughs> yeah, he's, 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 he's got, been in he's really got a good chip form. on his shoulder. Yeah, he does. You know. Yeah, he's got a chip on his shoulder for sure. I think if they would have had Mitrovic and he, he provided that little bit of extra bite and ruthlessness in front of goal, I think that Fulham might have not just drawn the game. I think they could have won the game. Um, Especially because your, your defence was certainly weaker. <clears throat> yeah, they were just... I think I'm not going to pinpoint it on like one individual, but I think I, I never really want to see Malassia at right back ever again. Like, <laughs> I, 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 like it's, I, I, got, I kind of got the logic behind it because it was like, it's fine um, for like in, it's not, well, it's not fine, but in like build out stru- structure, you can accommodate for it. Yeah. But and and he is a, moment, he's a fullback <clears throat> at the end of the day. Um, yeah, he is. Yeah. He's an, he's an attacking fullback. He's a final third fullback. I think, Keys Van Hamen was was like one of his biggest like watchers when he was in Holland, and it was like he was such a final third fullback, and he was never really this like defensive, energetic fullback that we've sort of been using in these bigger games. Yeah. So when I seen him at right back, I thought I was a bit intrigued because I actually didn't know whether or not he had a he had a really strong weak foot, and mm. it was just it was just pretty bad the the, the sinking between him and the winger. Um, when McTominay was brought on for Alanga, there was like a mix-up of who was following the runner down the right-hand side, and yeah. effectively is how they got their goal. Um, I think so Alanga in general was just a bit of a scramble. He helped a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alanga in general is really like like a tenacious defender, and, and he works hard to track back. And just in all facets of his game, I really like the the work ethic that he brings. You're right in that when McTominay came on and he played quite central. Um, I think there was conversations between him, him and Bruno and Bruno said you need to sit back a bit more um, and, and Bruno yeah. just in general I think he he's naturally a quite attacking player and although he works really hard and he's really energetic the spaces and gaps and, and sort of pressure down that flank um, yeah. wasn't sufficient enough basically and, and Fulham got loads and loads of joy down that side Yeah I think <clears throat> it was just I kind of got well. I kind of got the reason. Well, I completely understood the reason for playing Anthony Alanga. I think people as as what he what he doesn't have in maybe like just technical fundamentals. Like he's he's like overall quality on the ball is maybe not as good as some of the other wingers that Manchester United have. But his overall like tracking back, marking his fullback, tracking his fullback, holding team shape, getting back into shape, pressing well. He's direct. He's fast. He's a good dribbler. Like all them, all them factors to his game it's easy to understand yeah. why managers like him so much and, and I feel I think, like people always yeah, scrutinise so, him yeah no I completely agree and and 
I've always been a fan of Alangri <clears throat> just because of his versatility and completeness, even though he doesn't, he might not have that one factor, for example, that that puts him uh, and, and separates him from everyone else. But I think his game in general is relatively complete. He just needs to elevate the parts of it. Oh, um, yeah, definitely. definitely. With Elanga, I think, so someone replied to a tweet that I posted, so I'm going to take it with a pinch of salt, but I think they said that in all of the minutes that Alanga's played this season, United have only conceded one goal and it was a penalty against Chelsea. Um, so they haven't conceded an overplay goal when Alanga's been on the field. And obviously that's quite a, I'm assuming it would be a relatively small sample size, but if that is true, and, and probably after we finish recording this, I'll go and sort of go through the minutes myself. But <clears throat> if that is true, I think it, it points towards Alanga as this guy who helps the press and, who tracks back and covers the spaces on perhaps uh, a weaker side where, where there is someone like um, where there is someone like Malassia at right back. I did uh, I did tweet and I, and I have mentioned this idea that I have of McTominay down the right flank, whether that be right back, right wing back, or right midfield in a four four two. And and when he came on um, for Alanga, I was like, I finally got my I finally got my my wish yeah. and. I was ready to quote tweet like four or five different tweets and like self praise myself. Um, I was going to Yeah, I know. This is what I'm saying. Uh, uh, Ten Hag seems to really like him higher up the field, which is like I, I, I think that's those are areas where he he needs to be playing, um, and he's never yeah. been this sitting midfielder alone. Um, sort of in the midfield areas, he's been this box to box player. I think. It's interesting that that Ten Hag's basically just using him as almost a, as a second striker, um, but obviously yeah. he's had that education through the academy. Yeah, I think as well. Um, I actually thought McTominay wasn't bad when he came on. Don't get me wrong, and he had that one chance that he probably should have scored the header. But I think you kind of seen exactly what like you've been talking about on a couple of other people, and I think a lot of Manchester United fans kind of alluded to this point that he's not a number six. He likes to get forward. He likes to dribble. And I think for that headed chance, which he misses, he actually turns someone on the half turn, uses his body yeah. really well, like takes a touch into space and then just arrows it out to... That Dan ping Hatcho, to the other he, side was incredible. Yeah. 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 And then But this is why I've always said, can I half defend my right McTominay on the right flank take? Because a lot of people think... <laughs> a, lot, a lot of people don't get it and, and it's completely fair not to get it because basically I, I came to the conclusion after watching like, like I was using a Y Scout membership to scout McTominay, and someone said, "Like, why are you wasting your like Y Scout membership on yeah, on a McTominay?" That made me laugh. Yeah, I know it's hilarious. Um, but after <coughs> that, like, I, I never finished the piece to a level where I I wrote it and published it. But I got all the information basically, so it's all in my head. And then I just tweet the one line conclusion at the end of it without anyone working out, and then people are like, "What yeah. nonsense are you what are you talking about?" Um, but with McTominay, I think the main reason I want him on that right flank is something that we saw with that crossfield switch um, and something that we saw in a couple of actions when he was defending against Willian. So just in general, he's a defender who has like a big area um, that, that he imposes himself on. I think there's defenders like um, Saliba, for example, Rodri, um, just players who, when they sort of stand uh, the opposition defender up, it's hard to get around them. They're just these sort of big figures. And I think sort of playing a little bit wider um, and defending a little bit wider traps wingers and, and players 
uh, from getting past McTominay. I think that's why I like him a little bit wider there. Um, and we, we've seen that on occasion, I think there was this game against Chelsea where he had to cover the right flank, um, possibly when Carrick was the manager. And then there was a game, I think, against PSG where he defended heavily sort of on the right side of the field. Um, and then in possession, why I've sort of thought McTominay maybe on the right flank in a 4-4-2 or something might work is because he's a player who's really heavily uh, favouring a pass inside. You never really see him open up his body and pass it sort of on the outside of his body. Yeah. And I think I've mentioned it uh, in terms of cricket terminology. Like if he was a batter, he'd bat leg side all the time. He doesn't bat offside in terms of his passing angles. So in midfield, he'll always want to <clears> pass <throat> it inside. So he'll have to turn his whole body to pass it the other side if he wants to go that way. Um, but if you put him on yeah. the right flank, the whole pitch is basically inside of him. Um, so every possible option is open to him. He can hit that cross switch. He can hit the pass down the line. He can hit the pass back to the centre-back. That's mainly like the main yeah. reason why I want him there. And I think, obviously, because he's a great box threat uh, in both boxes, he can sort of defend the back post and, and make late runs to header it in off that side. Um, I don't know how good of a crosser he is. I think that might be one of the weaknesses of putting him out there. But I just think, like, based on angles... I guess you, you're... Yeah, you're thinking of it as in like <clears throat> not a not like a winger in a four four two. You're thinking of a wide midfielder in a four four two. It's a bit yeah. It's not too much like it's not too much like I don't, I don't know who to compare it to. Like he's I not don't bom- want him- he's not bombing up and down. Yeah, like I don't want not- I don't really want him like sort of trying to skill past the the fullback, the opposition left yeah, back. Yeah, like traditional wingers down the byline. I think that's yeah. maybe like. Like for me, it's like wide midfielders, like the way Simeone uses wide midfielders yeah. and Allegra. Yeah, I think he's kind he, of similar. Yeah, and and <clears throat> and if the ball goes to, for example, the opposite side, get him in the box, win a header, drop back. Like, yeah, I don't know if we'll ever see he does, it. <laughs> I think he's got. I think it's so annoying because we don't we don't see it enough, and I'm not sure if we don't see it enough because. He's just not being played there, or he's not going. Well, you can't currently get into the team. But in like you said, he's he's late. He's late runs into the penalty area are such a good weapon. Yeah, like he's he's got like he's got ridiculous ball striking, and he's a great header of the ball. I feel like he yeah. should just be. He, he, I'm not going to say he should be scoring more goals because last season it was kind of like not last season the the lockdown season. He was kind of like scoring goals. I think I against think Leeds, did he, did he get a brace or something yeah. against Leeds? Yeah, yeah, brace against Leeds, yeah. It was that one game that he captained, actually. I think it was a cup game. And he scored the only goal of the game. It was a header. It was like Norwich or something. <laughs> I always find it interesting when actually, like, guys get the armband <laughs> and, and their entire game sort of switches up. Like It genuinely has the effect. Yeah. Oh, I think it, you know, I think it, I think it was Norwich, yeah. It's got, it's got like a really nice header. But yeah. it's like, I feel like his skill set should be... I feel bad because it's not been used in in the right ways. Like, I think I it's just like been a matter of United not having off, but... United not having proper DMs, and obviously now you have Casemiro, yeah. you can start using these guys a little bit more freely, um, which makes a lot of sense. To I think United fans are kind of think I think I think United fans are kind of like alluding to the fact that oh, this is what a defensive midfielder is like, like this is what a true holding midfielder is like. This is what they do. Like a guy yeah. who's played the, uh, like at the base of a three, like this is a single pivot holding midfielder. You know what I mean? So I think now that fans have seen that, I think they're quite 
happy with it and I think they understand why some people are maybe saying that Tomini isn't one of them. Yeah, yeah. And and it makes sense sort of like I think I think people are generally a bit less harsh on Tomini now knowing that like he's just not that kind of player. So it, it doesn't make sense to sort of criticize him for those things and, and, and by those metrics. Yeah. yeah. Um definitely. In in general from that game though, how did you sort of think it went? Did you think like you did enough to to secure the win or you deserved it? Was there anything that sort of jumped out to you as, as being interesting or unusual? I thought I thought we deserved, I thought we actually deserved the win. I think if if that was Anthony Martial with two starts under his belt, I think we would have been maybe two, three nil up at half time. Yeah, um, which is which is completely fine. Like I can I can you know completely get behind someone when they've just not got the sharpness, but the rest of the game is complete. I think it was very easy for Marco Silva to completely put Manchester United's midfield in a vice almost. Mm. Um, I think that's something that Manchester United are going to have to be really careful about doing in future like games because we did actually play for it quite nice. I think Luke Shaw's long balls. Alessandro Martinez's long balls, like Luke Shaw's, like through passing, <clears throat> is actually amazing. Did you see? Did you see that compilation where someone said, "Oh, I can't think of the guy." There's a comp maker on Twitter called like midfielder, and he made a compilation, and it was like all of Luke Shaw's like longer passes to Ronaldo. Oh this yeah, was, I did see that. There was like that. a clip. Yeah, yeah. There's like a clip going around of like when Ronaldo ever received passes like this at United. Yeah. And he was like, these are just from Luke Shaw. And it was like five inch perfect balls in behind. And he did one to Martial and he could have got onto the end of it. And I was like, oh my God, this guy's unbelievable. He's actually so balls. good. The thing he, is, I think... Um, he is, man. He is. With, um, with the World <clears throat> Cup coming up, that's genuinely like England's bread and butter. I think like getting into Luke Shaw and trying to find, I don't know, yeah. like a uh, Raheem Sterling or Harry Kane. Um yeah behind the opposition's line like I well, think he, well he did it for Raheem Sterling against Germany didn't he yeah yeah so it's, um, so it's, it's there yeah he, he's a really valuable player I think for, for England going into um, going into the World Cup in general um, I just I really hope that he doesn't I, I, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get tired of saying this about Lucia but I really hope he doesn't regress yeah like genuinely because I've never I've never questioned his technical ability but it's just the little stuff like the defensive positioning, the covering depth. Like, I think even for the even for the goal that Fulham scored, both fullbacks should be doing better to get back in. Yeah. Um, and I just think, just don't, just please, like, keep that keep that fire in you and don't let it drop just because you've you're getting a few positive messages basically saying <laughs> yeah. he might be the best technical left back I've ever seen, but. <laughs> with, with Luke Shaw like yeah. it's never really a question of his actual quality it's more just his application and his I don't know just his how much he's putting in really it's, because, en- it's engine yeah it's engine yeah. related really yeah. the thing is he can he can get up and down the pitch like any of the, of the best fullbacks yeah he really can and um, mm. I think at the beginning of the season when Malassia was in a lot of people were really impressed by Malassia and, and, and Malassia was performing well um, but I think maybe that's just been the catalyst to give Luke Shaw that added motivation and yeah. incentive to basically perform and I think that's why Guardiola um, has always been like we need two top players in every position Ten Hag said yeah. I think Ten Hag said that he wanted another right back because 
he wants competition for Dallas. Likes- and. Uh, yeah, I think he said he likes having two really good fullbacks on either side. Yeah. Which is, to be fair, they are quite demanding positions in Tenag's yeah. system. And that's why I'm kind of worried about Delo because I feel like it is going to get to a point where he is just being ridiculously overplayed because at the moment it doesn't look like Juan Basaka is going to get. No, I think he's in. completely out of favour, yeah. I think, yeah, I don't know what's going on, but either way, like. You know, he was signed. He was signed to play a certain style of football. We're now playing a completely different one. If you can get I him back to Palace, him. then I'm, yeah, I'd be more. I'm more than happy for him to like get him back to Palace and like just try and get some confidence. Because let's be honest, he's done nothing wrong. Um, I feel like he's just yeah. I, I don't know. I, I just don't know how I, how I see him fitting in. And, uh, yeah, to be honest, I, I don't yeah. think there's really a spot for Wambasaka in this in this Ten Hag side. I think. Yeah. Um. Shout out my boy Brandon Williams. I actually, <laughs> um, I, I can't even say this is a straight face, but genuinely, like, I'm not gonna lie. Genuinely, like, I really like Brandon Williams, but but I don't think he's a right that's, back. I think he's a left. That's back. one of the first conversations me and you had on Twitter was about Brandon Williams oh, yeah. being a fullback on his on the other side to his favorite foot. Yeah, I I and honestly he said, he li- he said that he liked it, and I showed you the article, and you were like, what? Yeah, I honestly, I when I when I saw Brandon Williams, I was like, this guy, he's he looks miles better playing as a left back. The angles kind of suit him. He, he had a couple when he was playing for Norwich last season. I was really impressed. He, he was playing these through balls. I was like, this guy, I, I, they're gonna clip me for this, so I have to pick my words like a politician. <laughs> no. Right? What am I trying to say? Oh no! I need to say it in a way where they can't clip this up. Basically, he reminds me of the style that Cancelo tries to play. That's yeah, enough, yeah, like... Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've put enough stipulation in there where... Yeah, I, won't get I know what you're talking like, about. Like, I'm not saying yeah. in terms of quality and things like that. Although I do think Brandon the, Williams The way is he like, wants to play. Yeah, and I think I read something. I, after I made that uh, sort of comparison and style and, and things like that, I read something um, that basically... Like a quote from Brandon Williams, actually, that basically said that he looks to Cancelo a lot and, and that's one of his inspirations for playing uh, as a left-back. And, and it made sense in terms of you see little things within his game that that point towards that. Um, and I actually think there is a place for him at United under Ten Hag, but given that they have basically two solid left-backs already, <clears throat> I don't know if Ten Hag's going to be able to get yeah. that sort of quality out of him from the, the right-hand side, but I don't know. I don't know whether... It's quite interesting, actually, because when I think about the reasons why he's brought Malassia in, and I think he's looking for energy levels, he's mm. looking for someone who's not amazingly good technically, but someone who's got technical ability, but the more raw physicality, like... The thing like is, Brandon energy. Williams can, can actually and pick a pass, though. Yeah. 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 He was good. He was good for a stint at United. I just... It was it was really annoying because we were... We were Obviously, it's different now because the principles of what Ten Hag's trying to do is different. We we played with like a narrow front line under Solskjaer, and yeah. now he wants to get the the front line as wide as possible. So the wide the wide front line would suit the way he plays. Yeah. Um. Which, but yeah, I, I don't know. We'll probably will see. He'd probably go on like loan or get sold to, to like a League One team next summer. But <laughs> I think it's it is. I think it is just interesting how these like players are just looming around. Old Trafford yeah. at the moment, and just nothing's really being talked about about them. They're just kind the of thing, stealing a living a little bit. Yeah, the thing is, I think with 
Aaron Bissaka because he's 50 million, 50 million and, and he's really the complete opposite as in obviously his his main strengths are to be a lockdown defender in a pragmatic shape. Um I just don't think he's a guy who will be able to turn it around for Ten Hag, unfortunately, because I actually do really like Wan Bissaka. Um yeah. with Brandon Williams, I think he has some of the qualities. And he, sh- uh, I think I've read that he's coming back into training this week or next week. Um, and I don't know if that's a bluff just for sort of him to get into January and then be moved on somewhere. Irrespective of all of that, I think both players have qualities that make them like a decent bet for Premier League sides. Like I genuinely think that their level is somewhere within the Premier League. Um, for Wan-Bissaka, it has to be in a side that play pragmatic, which most teams are moving away from, which is sort of a shame, to be honest. I think as this one-off like tool to have in your back pocket, I think he's really valuable and obviously he's going to be a player right, to play. Yeah. yeah he's he's a player right going to want to play a lot. He's a player. He's a player who's useful in the right setup. I think he was, he was fine playing under Solskjaer, but I feel like now you're asking him to come inside, play different angles, you know, feel rhythms of the game, make underlapping runs. It's just not like... Not naturally his game, though. And, yeah, um, it's, it's, it's not profiled to the what he wants, so... Yeah, the thing is, if I was a manager, I would sign Juan Pesaka and just tell him, like, fella, I appreciate you. I just need you for, like, five games a season. And those five <laughs> games are, like, the most important games of the season. And I just need you to yeah. lock down whoever genius, whatever genius left winger we're against. And then, fella, just collect your paycheck and play, like, table tennis. I want to see him under, like, I want to see him under Sean Dyche Everton. Yeah, just give me a proper, proper pragmatic manager. Just- just like a proper, like, give me a winger who's going to actually help him as well. Let me, let yeah. me just say something, do you know? The like, thing is, all of these players, um, sort of, there's conversations about Sancho, uh, especially after Garnacho's amazing goal and, and winner um, just gone by and, and Maguire as well and, and um, Wan-Bissaka. These players are expensive and, and they were bought for the fee that they were bought for. But at a time where people weren't massively questioning the fee because of the performances that they were putting in. And I think they were only putting those performances in because of the system that they were in. And yeah, th- these players don't randomly just become rubbish. They, they still have that same quality. They just, uh, there's a phrase, is quality is emergent. As in, you don't have the quality, uh, like the quality, sorry, only comes out in certain specific scenarios and situations. So that's yeah. how you should be judging football. You can't just look at a player and say, that player's phenomenal. You have to look at that player. They're phenomenal when they're in this system or playing that role. Um, yeah, yeah. Definitely. And it's just a shame. It's just a shame like when you see guys like this sort of not thriving, man. Yeah. So, yeah, I mentioned Karnacha, actually. We'll just briefly touch on Karnacha before we move on. Um, but, but he's some player, man, isn't it? He's... He's everything I want in a winger, and I'm like I'm not even like I'm not even joking. I, I've, yeah. I've missed, I've just missed it, man. Like I'm, I'm such a huge fan of Gabriel Martinelli. Yeah, and he could, he has, he has the engine to be one of the off, one of the best forward presses in the league. He's, he's both footed, really. Like honestly, I was going through his goal catalog the other day, and he just scores left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot all the time. He's absolutely rapid. Um, I, I just he's, he's, his ball striking's good his instincts in and around the box are good it seems like his decision making and retention's got drastically better I mean I watched yeah. him in the FA Youth Cup final and he, and he even looks more, much more of a mature player from that and that was only a few months ago 
I think um, it helps being around <clears throat> quality in players like Christian Eriksen, for yeah. example, and Luke Shaw. And I think I think I like the way that I don't obviously it's not ideal that he's obviously had some um, attitude problems in the past that obviously have been talked about from the manager and and Bruno Fernandes. But I feel like that since them things have been mentioned, the way he's handled himself and the way it looks like Eric Ten Hag is handling him is like perfect. Yeah. I think the response after the game where Eric Ten Hag just kind of goes up to him and proper gives him like a, a good like G up is like the perfect way to keep his feet on the ground, but also let him know that, you know, he is wanted at the club. And I think he's got a really good future ahead of him. And I think genuinely, um, if he does want, if he does want to leave to a Spanish club and, uh, you know, Real Madrid and Barcelona are always there and he's, you know, his contract's expiring soon. But if he did stay at Manchester United, he, he has the serious potential to become, um, a starting winger for the club. Um, yeah, I, I think he's I think, already knocking yeah. knocking on the door in that sense. As in, I yeah. really like Marcus Rashford, and and Marcus Rashford is a wonderful player, particularly in transition situations, sort of coming in off that left. Yeah. Um, but Ganacho is <clears throat> like a player who he has that like rawness and that directness that I think you mainly see from like young players who burst on the scene. Um, and I think it's yeah. sometimes coached a little bit out of them. But I think with Garnacho, he dribbles to attack the goal every every time he gets the ball. He has one intention, and that's yeah. to get as close to the goal and get a shot away and, and try to do whatever he can to score rather than playing to keep the ball or playing safe or yeah. anything like that. He, had elite, he definitely had elite coaching when he was young because I was when I did my video on him, he's, like, he's a touchline winger. Like Every single time he receives the ball... Especially in the games against um, in the games in the Europa League and the Sociedad game, especially, he's receiving the ball in such wide positions. But as soon as he takes that touch on the wide side, he he like there's no shuffle. It's just straight at the fullback, which making, is amazing. Making worry, yeah, making worry which side you go in, you know. And he, that's the that's the beauty of it. He can go both sides, and he's he's only going to get better with like a player like Luke Shaw around him. And we already seen that link up for the McTominay chance. And it's just showing you how good a player like that can be if they've got runners around them. Yeah. Um, and that's exactly what Gabriel Martinelli's getting and we've all seen how he exploded. So Yeah, I, I'm I'm sort of I'm I'm bullish on a lot of these young wingers and um yeah, just just anything that, that shows an expressive and exciting um sort of display in the game is something that we wanna see. Um just not against our own teams. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like what you said about the intent. He has yeah. the intent. Yeah, it's, he, he's still a coming. He's much more favourable coming inside, but it's that intent once again of what he wants to do when he does come inside that gives him the edge over the the wingers right now. Yeah, I, I actually tweeted something. I said, so a lot of people were basically like writing off Sancho now on the back of Garnacho's performance and and his winner because, I mean, people just love comparing and and. They can't just be happy for for Garnacho in and of his own yeah. right. But basically, like the way I see things now is Sancho, his intention when he plays is just different to Garnacho, and as a result, they're just different players. I think Sancho's a guy who, when he dribbles, he wants to exit inside and a little bit backwards to run into the middle of the pitch, whereas Garnacho's running directly towards the goal, running past players. He's happy to sort of go on the outside and. Sancho's always a player who wants to come inside um, and then play the pass. And, and Garnacho's a guy who wants to run towards the goal and get the shot away. And there's no real reason why one or the other are better than each other. Uh, it just depends on what system and, 
and which one's better for the team. Um, I think fans and genuinely like casual watchers and, and people who like to watch the game for excitement always prefer the direct winger who shoots <clears> and, and, and gets past his man and, and gets people off, off the off their seats. Um, and especially if it results in goals, I think that's the most decisive way to change the game in terms of like just watching somebody. But I think Sancho in a system where he's able to play inside and make those passes and create, because um, he's a creator, he's not a, he's not a scorer. It's the same thing with Hudson Odoi. They were both criticised a lot for not being proper wingers and, and not getting the goal contributions. But they're players who are naturally creative and people, I think, have their expectations set wrong on them. And as a result, like judge them incorrectly. But Garnacho's a player who they're judging by the right standards and he's sort of exceeding those expectations anyway. Um, yeah. But we'll move on now. And and we've sort of, we've spoken a lot about Garnacho. Garnacho uh, is sort of... Oh, the, the, yeah. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, there were some conversations actually about Garnacho emulating a little bit of um, young Cristiano. Um and and it's probably far better that he's emulating young Cristiano rather than old Cristiano because uh, yeah. Mister Cristiano's been in the um, in the studio with Piers Morgan and he's he's been doing an interview, um, a sixty minute interview. I think that drops on Wednesday, um, which is when this is going out. So we'll probably talk about it <clears> for uh, at some point next week. But there have been clips and quotes going around, um, and it's fair to say, obviously, I'm a neutral fan. Um, but I can sort of appreciate just how sort of ridiculous the situation is. I'll read actually um, my initial thoughts that I, I put on Twitter uh, and then I'll let H take the floor because he's a United fan. I know that he'll have thoughts that he has to get off his chest like like this is a real therapy session. Um, but but my, yeah. my entire thinking about the situation was that um, Ronaldo probably did it thinking that he was going to, tell fans and, and tell the people in the footballing world just how bad a state United were, um, just how sort of bad Ten Hag was and, and to shift everybody onto his side. But I think majority uh, the majority of the conversation has been uh, in defence of Ten Hag and the club rather than Cristiano. And I don't think Ronaldo intended or realised that that would have been the outcome. And I think there's generally this sort of disconnect between how good Ronaldo thinks he is and, and, and his place within the footballing world relative to where it actually is. Um, and obviously, I think if the interview comes out and there's a lot of sort of actual genuine disrespect and, and sort of family and, and personal things that United handled uh, improperly, then of course, then I'll sympathise with Ronaldo and I'll be like, okay, that makes sense. But just on the face of it, I think most people are really quite critical of Ronaldo and, and his interview and his quotes and, and rightly so. But age, man, what do you make of the... The whole situation because I, I I spoke to a couple of United fans and, and their heads are the heads are gone basically. Yeah, I just I don't really when when it first happened I was I was saying to myself like seriously like this is this is what we're doing now. Yeah, just, just straight away I just thought there's no way. But then I think I think about the timing of it. I think about the way he's done it, the the teasers that have been released. Um. Obviously, what's currently happening with him apparently being ill. Um, yeah. I just think he just seems to have this... He seems to have this idea. Obviously, like you say, something could come out on Wednesday and this could debunk my whole point. But he seems to have this idea in his head that Eric Ten Hag has been like 
ridiculously disrespectful to him. Yeah, like he's not unfair. giving opportunities. Yeah, he's not giving opportunities. You know, he's not treated him as as you know a striker of Manchester United. He's and I just for me, I just don't, I can't wrap my head around it. He missed, he missed preseason for personal reasons, and I've absolutely, I've got absolutely no, yeah, yeah, I've got absolutely no problem with you missing preseason because of what happened. <clears throat> but then you have to understand that if you come back to Manchester United under a new manager and you are not match sharp, you don't know what the manager wants you to do. You've not been in the entire preseason. I don't really understand what you want him to do. Do you want him to play you and then disregard Tony Marshall, who's been scrutinised, been wrote off, you know, but he's coming to preseason, been a top pro, worked hard. And Frank, frankly, Marshall suits the, the team far better, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, like stylistically, like I think I'm just on yeah, just, I just on his performance. I, I, I really worry. I wait I really worry. I actually said this to I actually said this to a couple of my friends, and it was a bit like when I was watching Eric Ten Hag, or when I was watching Cristiano Ronaldo playing for Eric Ten Hag in the early, earliest games possible. He was trying to accommodate too much. He was dropping he was dropping even deeper. He was trying to link play. Um, and that is just because I, I could just tell straight away it was like he's he's not worked with Ten Hag enough to know that Ten Hag doesn't like this striker who's on the yeah. the halfway line. Um, you know he wants to pin he wants to pin the centre halfs back. And I don't even think it's just a, easy to see. I don't even think it's a point of him not realizing what Ten Hag wants. I think it's just generally Ronaldo wanting to basically say I'm the main man. I want to sort of bag a goal. I want to have a lot of touches. And yeah. if you think you're a really good player, um, it doesn't make sense for you to sort of hide away and, and be out of the game. I think Ronaldo wants to impose himself on the game, especially when he was going through sort of a goal drought. He he would have wanted to score by any means, whether that means picking the ball up short, taking a long shot, having a free kick or whatever it is. Um, so I think Ronaldo just really wants to sort of do things almost on his own terms. And, and the fact that he's, well, I don't know how, what what instructions Ten Hag's Ten Hag's given him, but Ronaldo's not the kind of player who wants to just sit quietly and wait for the tapping in the box. I think he wants to play um, and be heavily involved. And I think the only yeah. coaches who who might be able to get a more restricted and more specialist role out of Ronaldo at this age is a coach who he wildly respects and. Um, <clears throat> somebody who he's willing to listen to and I don't think Ten Hag um, is someone like that just because of Ronaldo just sort of being familiar with him over a a short period so yeah I think it's just I I don't really and I I think people are kind of overlooking the fact that Cristiano Ronaldo has actually played a lot of minutes this season I think he's the seventh most for the the outfielders at United yeah so I don't really I don't really understand if if it was anyone else who had missed preseason, they would not have the same amount of minutes he has right now. Yeah, and I can hand I can hand on heart say that. So the fact that he's not only done that, but you've captained one of the games, hmm. is very. I don't know what the word is. It's very confusing. I, I yeah. just don't really get what what else. Like I'd and I think again, I'm just thinking about Ten Hag, and I reiterate the point of something could come out on Wednesday. But I'm just, in my head, I'm thinking that Eric Ten Hag must be sat there at home going, 
what more could I have actually done? Yeah. Like, I couldn't have sacrificed the entire team's performance just to get him on side when he doesn't want to be here. And the thing is, after the um, after the whole saga in the first place, obviously he scored the 700th goal, 700th goal, sorry. Um, then all the, the photos and things like that came out where there was the team was celebrating his 700th goal. Um, yeah. Then obviously Ten Hag introduced him back into the side, made him captain. From the outside looking in, it looks like Ten Hag's basically done everything right to sort of mend that relationship. Uh, and the only thing that he's not done is made Ronaldo this automatic starter over Martial, who is a better player, who is performing better as well. So, yeah, this entire situation... I, I sorry, I was just going to say, this entire situation just looks like, <clears throat> from the outside looking in, that Ten Hag comes out looking sort of really clean and really... Um, yeah, like impressive. Do not, you know what I mean? If if there's not something completely damning and shocking about Wednesday's interview, I yeah. really don't know what. I, like I was saying this, I was like, if he's if he's come out and he's outed the entire club structure, he said that the Glazers are really bad. I've been here when they first joined, and I've seen no improvements to the club. The youth youth facilities are not good enough. There's zero investment in the club. That that is like 100% perfect. I, I'm. It's amazing that you've said that. Really yeah. top top work. But then you, he's he's almost like he's almost thought about it, and he's gone right for Ten Hag, Wayne Rooney, and Ralph Ranick. And yeah. it's like it's like instead of going for them three, you, like you've briefly touched on the club. And the club's ownership. It's like, why are you not going at the club for employing Ralph Ranick? Why are you going at Ralph Ranick for mm. being there? Yeah. Like, if like, do you know what I mean? Like, I think why was it not a why was it not a case of I can't believe that the the owners brought him in. Like, it's a yeah. stupid decision from the owners. Like, I felt sorry for him. Like, it's almost yeah, disrespectful true. to to not call him. A, like, he said to him, "Oh, he's not a coach." Well, he well, he's a, he's a manager. He's been a manager before. He is a sporting director, but let's be honest, Manchester United made a woeful decision to not make a mandatory um, thing in his contract to become a sporting director after. And whose fault is that? It's not Ralph yeah. Ranić's fault. Everyone's chomping at the bit to get the Manchester United job. It was a free hit for Ralph Ranić at the end <laughs> of the day. And I think just the fact that he just kind of brushed over it and just went straight for Ralph Ranić just was a bit strange. I, think... I just didn't really understand it. Obviously, with the um, mention of the club structure and sort of the chefs and 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 sort of dinner ladies and dinner people not not being different from when he first came and the technology and the environment and just all of the equipment being the same, I think all of those are really valid points. I don't know if he has to say it on a public forum when he's in a bad relationship with Manchester United at the moment. I think those things are really important to mention. But target those from within. I think Tom Garrett, uh, I saw a TikTok that he posted and, and he mentioned something like, when all of these facilities were just as old and just as unchanged, but Ronaldo was scoring a lot, there was no mention of anything like this in the public. Um, yeah. And, and it does make sense, to be honest. I think one problem with this interview is just the format of it because I really would have wanted to hear from Ronaldo just on a personal sense, just that sort of summer has been difficult and 
this is what happened in my personal life and I'm battling with not being fit uh, with having a missed preseason and obviously I want more minutes than I have and I made a mistake by storming <clears> out and just generally talking on a personal level but obviously if you're doing a 60 minute interview there's going to be one or two sentences regardless where you slip and and say something that you might not want to say especially if you're emotional or in a bad situation yeah. or in a dip uh, in terms of your career and Piers Morgan is going to obviously ask relatively provocative questions I think if he had done like a I don't know like a 10-15 minute interview with Roy Keane or Rio Ferdinand just talking about himself personally it would have been a far better um, format and and it would have I don't know yeah. it would have it would have even if he left um, United as as I think he might leave in, in January it would have left things just as him explaining it. Um, yeah. I, I, I feel like yeah, it should have been... I feel, I feel like it should have been... Could we Could we not wait until you had left? I think he wants to explain why he's leaving or why, why the relationship in, between United has broken down. Right. Because I just yeah. think in my mind, I was like... When, when, when the stuff was in the transfer window about the truth will come out soon, all this kind of stuff... Yeah, I was just a bit like the truth. The truth had to have been about the way you handled your transfer, not not the club as a whole. Because if it was a club he does as a he whole, does mention that a little bit. I think he says um, he says that he could have gone to Manchester City or Manchester City were interested in him. So Alex rang him and said, "You can't go to City," and then he came to United because because of that call essentially. Um, and then he was like, he he feels like he wants to. <laughs> save United or, or be part of United sort of returning back to that same level and then he noticed that United's facilities and everything were basically unchanged since the last time that he was there I, I want to ask like, obviously we, we're not going to answer this question but I just feel like yeah. so if he would have gone to City last year yeah do you think as a City fan I, I don't think he would have ever went anywhere I think it was a bluff by Manchester City I don't he could say, he can say that people wanted him at Manchester City I just don't really get the logic behind it but from what from from like. what journalists and like <laughs> reliable people um have have written and, and mentioned, apparently City sort of as a club and as a hierarchy and some of the players in that were really excited and wanted Ronaldo, uh, but Guardiola never really wanted Ronaldo and yeah. that would have basically cut the deal. Uh, because at that in point my there. opinion, if if he would have ever went to Manchester City as a Manchester City fan. Do you think he would have played this season? If he would have played last season, do you think he would have played this season? No. If we have Haaland, there's no chance he plays. And to be honest, I think even last season, I'd rather have Ford and Force 9 than um, Ronaldo as a 9 in, in our team. So, yeah, I think I'd, Guardiola I think not wanting him makes so much sense. I think he's... Like I, I, you're a, I think you're an expert. Tweeted something similar, and it's like I, I'm really, I really feel bad for him because I don't think he quite understands. Like that he's not the guy. I don't think he, yeah, I don't think he quite understands the drop off. Like yeah. I've watched Ronaldo at the top of his game, and comparing him to the player he is right now is night and day. And I, I completely admire the way he's adapted his career um, to be mm. this more potent number nine, but. I feel like at some point there's got to be a bit of a jig up to be like, right, I can either adapt my game once more and become a complete liability 
and just be a box box player. And that's really it. That's the only state. He's thirty. What is he? Thirty eight. Thirty seven or thirty eight. Yeah. It's like I know you're this superhuman, but there's nothing like Zlatan Ibrahimovic at your age, at the at the age he is right now, was a liability. That's what he was. Like he was. Ibrahimovic is really striker. interesting because he's somebody who everyone associates with ego, but when he reached <clears> a, a similar age, he had the awareness that he's not a player who can contribute in the same mm. manner. And obviously with all of the knee injuries and things he had, um, he was still trying to play when he could um, and performing to a decent level. But obviously... When have you... I know they're not comparable in terms of um, among the all-time greats, but... When you compare the way that Ibrahimovic has handled the way he's got older and mm. his and his role in each team, like he, he never he never really played last season. Like I watched AC Milan quite a lot last season. He was he never really played. I think he, started he had a, games here and there. He, I think he had a lot of injuries, but his contribution off the field was really really important. Mentality wise, yeah, I yeah. Remember, um, people are talking about that. Yeah, there were there were sort of speeches that he was making. He was re- really bringing some of the young players in. Um, he was just yeah. a voice that, think, that kept <clears throat> Milan very I read, stable. I read something really nice about Ibrahimovic, and I think it was when they won the Scudetto last year. I think it might have even been on LinkedIn, LinkedIn from like a social media executive or something, but it was something along the lines of Zlatan Ibrahimovic last season when they won the Scudetto was like very... Um, like he wanted the family, he wanted the club to be a family. He was bringing mm. in like the whole entire staff into the dressing room. Like everyone was celebrating the league title, and they weren't starting the t- title celebrations until every member of staff was there that day. Yeah, and I feel like the way the way he almost handled it, I think, has been like almost kind of the opposite, a, almost. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, I th- think I just think like you look at him, and he's probably just said to himself, like, I've accepted it. I'm not gonna be. I'm not going to be at the elite level anymore. I'm not going to start games consistently anymore. I'm going I think to do it, what I can do off the pitch. I think if Ibra was fit, he would still have the same mentality of I'm going to play, I'm going to score, I'm going to win. But yeah. in his injury and in his older age and, and being on the bench, he knows, okay, I can't help the team in this way. What's the next best way I can help the team? But whereas with yeah. Ronaldo, it's I think obviously there's quotes and things like that where he's tried to mentor and help some of the younger players. But in, just in general, it's more of a, how can I score this goal? How can I win the game for Manchester United? Um, how yeah. can I be in the Champions League? And you don't really get that sense of Ronaldo bringing everybody together. It's more of Ronaldo trying to get what is best for him and then by a result, get what's best for United rather than even if he's yeah. uninvolved, wanting the best for United um, and, and trying to participate yeah. towards that. Yeah, I think that's just that's it for me. I just feel like there are certain ways you could have gone about doing the interview. I'm not happy with I'm not happy with a the people he's outed name by name. Yeah, like I'm not I'm not happy that he's named certain people in the club who, you know, the fans appreciate. Like Eric Ten Hag, I, I couldn't think of the only the only United fans who are against Eric Ten Hag right now are the Cristiano Ronaldo fans. Yeah. And that's that's it. Like like Eric Ten Hag has pretty much got every single match day supporter on side at the moment, mm. and I feel like if you've got 
like I said, if he's got justification for why he's why he feels so disrespected, then fair enough. But for you to say you feel disrespected and not have so far any substance from our from where we're sat, I think this is a really, really unprofessional thing to do. And I just don't think many players in world football would have never done that. I can't yeah. I couldn't think of one more who would have sat down genuinely, said I've got no respect for the manager. Um he's not shown me respect. So I'm not showing him respect mm. when he made you captain. I, 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 I don't know. I think that's like the key of respect for me. I just think he, yeah. What What do you think happens now with Ronaldo and United? I think he. Uh, I think he gets his contract terminated. Genuinely. Yeah, I, I think if that doesn't happen, I think just you. It's you, spineless. You, it's spineless if they don't. Yeah, I, I'm like. ju- I was just gonna say. I think is it's Man United as a club if they have respect for themselves. The, yeah. They really, yeah, it is the best thing to, to do. And, and I think if, if he, Ronaldo if he, plays another game, I'll the, be surprised. Um, yeah, I think if he if he comes out on Wednesday and he outs the Glazers, like he, he mentions certain individuals by name yeah. in, the, in the hierarchy, then he will definitely have his contract terminated. Yeah. If he... I think that would bring some fans back inside, though. to survive... Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it would make the interview more justified as in like from yeah where, yeah yeah like there's a meaning behind it because without without the targeting of the way the club is from top to bottom for me the interview that he's doing is like, just he's, he's throwing shots at anyone it. and seeing where it lands yeah it's yeah. just it's like a no holds barred interview like i want i want you to have sat down with a clear like i don't want piers morgan to start off that interview and ask you a question I want you to sit down and go. I'm here to tell you that Manchester United is rotten from the top down. Yeah. This is well. This is this is like, why I'm, my problem is the fact that he's he's done the interview with Piers, and obviously, as a guy as famous as him, there's not going to be that many people he trusts. And Piers is a guy who's basically been unanimously in favour and, and supportive of Ronaldo, even possibly when he he shouldn't have been. Um, so it makes sense why he's chosen Piers to do the interview with. But I, I think it's just a format that lends itself to controversy and and questions that bring about answers that give you these quotables and snippets that are not ideal really. I feel I feel it's quite I'm not sure he must have agreed to it, but I feel the way that um Piers Morgan is like leak dropping yeah. like like snippets, talk sport, quotes, oh he said this about this guy wait until Wednesday. Like are you why would if Ronaldo if Ronaldo wanted to do this groundbreaking interview, surely he would want it to come out as soon as possible. He would it would he would want it to be unmonetized or demonetized because it's accessible to everyone. Because you're just telling the fans who need to know what's going on. You've given it to Piers Morgan, who on his own on his own channel on his own show. Yeah, the thing is, it, and it's I, just like, I I understand why he's gone with Piers. I just. In terms of just from a personal level and the fact that he, he probably feels like everyone in the media is for a bizarre reason against him. And and the reason really isn't so bizarre. The reason is more so the fact that he's not I'm providing a- the quality for United at the moment. But yeah. it, it makes sense why he's not. I thought it was really ironic how he used I thought it was really ironic how he used the sun. Yeah, I don't did he use the sun or did they just have like I don't I don't know how they it were the first they were the first people to get the front yeah. cover. Yeah, so I thought so that I'm not cover. sure if Piers Morgan sold the story to the stunt. Sold the Jesus. Sold the <laughs> story to the sun. That's a tongue twister. 
Yeah, I was like, I'm not sure if that was the case, but I was very interested to see why they got it first. Yeah, the the, the um, picture going around is basically from the Sun's front page. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I, 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 for me, the even if even if the rest of the interview that he's done on Wednesday is completely spotless and I agree with everything, I still can't agree with him for yeah, saying yeah. he doesn't respect disrespecting the, the club manager. Yeah, when I feel really... like it's it's not professional. Um, it doesn't really help the fans. Like mm. it doesn't really give the fans anything at the moment. Um, you might be able to justify some of the some of the you know reasons why maybe you walked off the pitch or you know some some things maybe why you weren't starting why you was ill or whatever. Maybe that stuff is justifiable, but I think the actions overall are indefensible, um, and I think you can only soften the blow um, to United fans and to the club itself. Mm-hmm.